I was. And if you go all the way back in my past, I've got a lot of different experience in different types of churches. My, my oldest brother, I was in a house church um, where we actually met in houses. And, and he and a friend of his started house churches all over East Texas. It was like the, the, the Apostle Paul's ministry when he would go and start churches. Incredible. But, but I experienced a bunch of things. And, and so traditional church just doesn't have a whole lot of appeal for me. Um, when people say, you know, they're against organized religion, I say, well, come to New Life because we're disorganized religion. You know, we're as far from organized religion as you can get. Um, because I don't want to be, I, I don't want to be bound up by tradition. So I had to consider God's call on my life and you need to consider God's call on your life. Now, today, what I want to focus on is the right questions to ask other people. All right? You with? Right questions to ask other people and yourself. Last week, we spent a lot of time on the right questions to ask God. Here, here are four zones of questions that you need to be asking others and you need to be asking of yourself. The first zone is confirm. This is the confirmation zone. Confirmation zone. You go to people who are doing things right and you say, I'm thinking about doing this. Does what you're doing have anything to say in my life? Is what you're saying, does it apply to my life? Do you have anything that's going on that would confirm this direction in my life? Several years ago, I took a group of adults through a, through a study called Network. And Network is a study of spiritual gifts. Now, what the New Testament says is every believer in Christ, every person who's a, a member of God's family, has at least one spiritual gift. You probably have more, but you have at least one. And, and in my experience in the churches I've been in, 99% of the people didn't even know what the spiritual gifts were, much less did they know what their own spiritual gift was. If you don't know what your gift is, then you cannot serve God effectively in the church because the Bible says God gives every person a spiritual gift as he sees fit. So we went through this whole study. After several weeks, we were given an assignment. And one of the assignments was, you know, you're supposed to do this study and you're supposed to figure out what you're good at, what you like to do, you know, the things that you see in your life. But one part of this study was... <clears throat> You were to find three individuals who knew you well, and you were to give them this sheet of paper, and it's about eight pages long, so you better have, it better be a good friend if you expect them to do it. So you give them this sheet of paper. It's called an observation assignment. And they were supposed to answer questions about my life, what they saw in my life. So they'd ask questions like, um, does this person, are they a good organizer? Um, do they communicate well? Do they have leadership skills? Just eight pages of questions. That you're supposed to answer, they were supposed to answer about me. If you were to take the sheet, somebody was supposed to answer about you. And then the very last thing, there were three questions, but the first question was, let me see, I've, I've written it down here. It said, what kinds of work do you think this person is especially suited to do in or through the church? All right. So if I'm giving this to David, David's answering about my life. The, the question then, David comes up and says, David, what, what jobs do you think Doug is suited for in the church? Now, this was seven or eight years ago when I was still in youth ministry. I'd preached on average maybe two or three sermons a year other than what I did in youth ministry. But, you know, in big church, that's kind of different than, than youth ministry church. So I'd preached two or three sermons a year in big church. <clears throat> when I got these back, I'm looking through their answers, you know, and everything. And then I, I put all of them side by side. And my wife and, and two of my best friends said, Pastor. It's like, whoa. Because I've been feeling this for about 10 or 11 years that God was leading me to be a pastor. Now, three of the most important people in my life said, we think what you should be doing is being a pastor. Do you think that was a confirmation in my life? Sure it was. 
My oldest brother is named Larry. And Larry was like a father to me. Larry's 14 years older than me. He's the one, Caleb and I talked about this this morning. Larry is the one who taught me how to read the scripture. He taught me how to, to do a quiet time every day. I used to go and mow lawns with him. And much like my son and I mow lawns t- today, well, we would go and mow the church lawn where he was youth minister. And we would, we would get a fried pie, apricot fried pie, chocolate milk. We were making sure we were jacked up on sugar before we mowed lawns. And we would go sit in his, in his office before we would mow. He'd open up the scripture many times to Proverbs. And we'd take one verse and he'd read, he'd read the verse. He'd say, okay, now, Doug, tell me what it says. I'm like, well, you're the big brother. And he said, no, let's just break it down. He'd read a phrase. He said, what do you think that means? He was always asking me these questions. So he had this profound impact in my life. And he's the one that I lived with one summer um, when, when I was at Baylor. I, I lived with him and went to house church and actually saw how the house church functioned and, and was just blown away by what God was doing in his life and through his life. When we decided to start the church, my oldest brother, who, by the way, He's been here once, and uh, I was nervous when he was here because I, I, I didn't know what my big brother was going to think about me. Not nervous when my parents came, you know, anybody else, but when my big brother came because I wanted his affirmation. He told me one day, he said, Doug, in my heart, I always thought you would start a church, not pastor an existing church. Okay, so now I've got my mentor, my spiritual mentor saying, I thought this is, I think this is where you're supposed to be. Again, that's confirmation. You understand the confirmed zone, the confirmation zone. Now, the church is the body of Christ. And one of the ways that God speaks to us, God always speaks by the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit has four avenues to tell you God's will. The Bible. We already talked about that. Prayer. Circumstances and the church. That means other Christians. The reason that we miss God's will for our life so many times is we are not listening to what other Christians who are seeking after God are saying into our lives. We're not listening. The reason we could miss God's will for this church is if I think I've got all the answers. God speaks to all of us because when he put us together, the the greatest analogy in the scripture about the, the church is we are the body of Christ. And so we need ears. We need eyes. We need knees. We need feet. We need hands. Speaking about what you sense God is saying. That's why we're having a meeting tonight. So that that regardless of what the vote is, we can say, what do you sense God is doing? What does God want to teach us from this? What should we do? Because I don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. God designed the church that way so that when we come together, that's when we discover God's will as a church. God never designed Lone Ranger Christians. And that's why it says in Hebrews, do not forsake. That means don't give up. Going to church, meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. He says, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, it blows my mind when people go to folks who hadn't been in church in 30 years, and they say, what do you think I should do? Don't ask them. They don't know. Because here, there's two indications when somebody's walked with God. And I'll just, I just flat tell you from my experience, two indications when somebody is, is straying away from God. The first indication is if they're a tither, a giver, they stop giving. That's an indication that they're walking away from God and they're probably going to leave the church. Second indication is when they quit fellowshipping with the church. They quit coming. Because, and I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm just saying that something has happened in their life and there's a wedge between you. And if God speaks through the church, which he tells us all the time, he speaks through other Christians, and you're not fellowshipping with other Christians, you are missing an opportunity for God to speak to you. So you ask the right people the right questions. 
Now, in this first zone, if you're seeking confirmation from others who are living life right, let's get real practical and let's apply this to something like finances. Anybody ever have trouble with finances? Not in this group, but, you know, this other group I talked to, they do. If you're struggling with finances, find someone who's doing it right and say, what are you doing right? And then say, help me figure out what I'm doing right. Because it's real easy. To, these first two questions, these first two zones are all about finding things that are going right. Because it's real easy to know what's going wrong, isn't it? It's real easy to badmouth. Well, the church doesn't do this or my wife doesn't do this. We can do that with no effort. When I ask you the dumbest thing, y'all were ready. You knew. If I were to ask you the one piece of clothing that your parents or your spouse would like to throw away, you'd know. Because you've been holding on to it for years and it's sorry piece of clothing. But what we're trying to do in these first two zones is find out what we're doing right. Ask the question, do you have a place to live? I didn't ask if it's the place you wanted to live. Do you have a roof over your head? If the answer is yes, you did something right. Do you have food? Do you have clothing? Do you have transportation? I didn't ask if it was the type of clothing, the brand of clothing, the type of transportation you'd want. I can always find another car I'd rather have. Janie and I were sitting in the car the other day and an RX-8 pulled up. She goes, wow. Because, you know, back in our day, the RX-7, that was like a hot sports car. Now the RX-8, it's even better. She goes, that's what I want. We couldn't afford that, but... But there's always something else. You know, you can look around and say, what I have is not good enough. If it's if it's doing the job, then you say, OK, I'm doing something right. You confirm those things. What about in your marriage? Anybody? No, not in this group. Nobody's marriage is jacked up. Y'all look. Am I just stinking that bad or y'all asleep? Because I need to shift gears or something. Yeah, Jeff's telling me it's me. It's not me. It's you. Um, nobody's marriage needs any help. We'll just skip that then. Ladies, does your husband ever do anything right? Now think before you speak. Think before you speak. Because, uh, like what? You know? Does he ever get the clothes near the clothes hamper? And that's something right. <laughs> Cheer for him. Does he ever take out the trash? I mean, not regularly, but ever. I mean, find something good. You understand what I'm saying? Find something good. So this is the confirm zone. What do you need to confirm in your life? Second zone is the copy zone. <clears throat> the copy zone. Look around at people who are doing things right and ask, what should I copy from their lives? We need to copy things that people are doing right. Don't think you have to reinvent the wheel. Copy things that, that people are doing right. And this is a biblical um, idea. Look at Ephesians 5.1. Watch what God does, and then you do it, like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Paul, writing to the Corinthians in, four, in 1 Corinthians 4, 16, says, So I ask you, follow my example and do as I do. Later in the same book, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. This is an idea that has gone on since Jesus. Jesus wanted his followers to do what he did. Jesus said, I watch to see what my father is doing and I do it. So this is the emulation zone, the copy zone. What do I need to copy? We looked around when we were starting new life and we said, who is doing church right? I read books and I went to conferences. I've been to conferences in Illinois, California, Dallas, Houston, and this, and, and soon we're going to go to Michigan. 
We're going to go to Michigan. Why? Because these churches are doing things right. People cannot wait to go to these churches. Lives are being changed. And we said, we want to learn from what they're doing in these places. And, and it was in looking at these churches that we found out that not only could we reach people who were far from God because somebody else was already doing it, but we should be reaching people who were far from God because it was it was at a conference in Illinois when God just captured my heart. And I said, I will never be bound up by tradition again. And I will fight for people who are far from God. If it if it costs me my life, God, I'm willing to give the rest of my life to reach people who are bound for hell because I've seen glimpses of hell and I don't want anybody to go there. And if I ever, I said this last Sunday night, those of you who came over to North Jackson, if I ever have to make a choice between pleasing someone who is in the family of God and reaching someone who is not, I'm going to turn my back on somebody who's already in the family of God because the alternative is they go to heaven and they go to hell and that's unacceptable to me. Because you have never looked in the eyes of someone who does not matter to God. First time I heard that, Janie and I were at a conference and I left and I went to a gas station. I walked in to get a pack of gum. And that, that phrase was in my mind. And I looked at the guy behind the counter and I thought, he matters to God. It was, I had been a minister for about 15 years at this point, And nobody had ever told me that everybody matters to God. Because in my ministry, what we did was we kept the little flock together. And if you kept the flock together and didn't let them get close to the fence, you know, oh, don't go there. Come back from the fence. Maybe you add one or two to the flock. If you did that well enough, then you got promoted to another flock in another town. And if you do it well enough, you get to another flock. I don't want to be a part of that. And so we said, who is doing things right? Let's do things like they do. Let's reach people who are far from God. So we learn things from other churches and we've applied them here. And some of the stuff we just flat out copied. If you've come to class 101, church in California started that. Now, we've made it different and we don't go as long as they do. There's is four hours. We used to go four hours. I said, I can't do that. We go two hours and we teach you why we started this church and what we're trying to do. Class 101, 201, 301, 401. We just copied that idea from them. So that's good. Let's don't reinvent it. Let's just use that and, and make it. Uh, fit in Palestine, all of these pastors of these churches that we've gone to, they preach in series. I said, that's good. Let's let's preach in series. Let's adapt some of the ideas that they do to Palestine, Texas, because Chicago, the church we go to there, they just built a seventy five hundred seat auditorium and they're going to fill it four or five times this weekend with professionals. And and I think they spent about seventy million dollars on that facility. I ain't going to work in Palestine. But we can figure out some of the things that do work, principles, and we can do those things and make them ours. We've used dramas, videos, sermon ideas, songs, and many times we got those ideas from the biggest and best churches in America. And that only makes sense to me. Make it our own. Copy something, make it better, and make it your own, and make it apply to your situation. We instinctively knew that the churches that we came from did not put an emphasis on lost people. And so we didn't want to do it like that. So we went, we went to learn from people who were reaching lost people. And we said, okay, let's use some of those things that we, uh, that we see them doing. Now, guys, do you want to make an impression in your marriage? Yes is the proper answer. I mean, come on, just sitting there. Well, then you watch dudes that are doing things right and you learn from them. Um, years ago, I was reading a book on creative dating in your marriage. 
and uh, from this dude that I really admired and respected. He had uh, it was something like 365 creative dates or something like that. So I just started reading through and I started doing some of the stuff. Valentine's Day was coming up and there was this idea and all it was was a simple idea. And it was rent a U-Haul truck, put a couch in it, drive someplace uh, romantic and hang out with your spouse. I thought, that's pretty cool. So I go down to the U-Haul place and I thought, I'm not just going to put a couch in there. I'm going to get a couch. I'm going to get um, uh, the coffee table. I went, I spent all day. I didn't tell Janie anything about this. I found a lake. I parked it next to the lake, got permission from the landowner, dug this fire pit because it was cold. You know, February, it was about like it is today. It was cold. And so I went out and I got our, our CD player. I went and got Chicago's Greatest Hits because we, lo- we listen to those love songs. Yeah, y'all are laughing. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so I put that there and I had hot chocolate. I had my little camp stove out there so that we could heat up the hot chocolate. And then I just told Janie to be ready at five o'clock when I got home because I did. I spent all day. Had all kinds of furniture, blankets, you know, everything you can imagine. Heater in the in the back of the U-Haul truck. And so I said, be ready at five. And she has no idea. I come home. I took care of child care. Caleb was the only child we had at that time. She was pregnant at that time. And so um, I said, if you could have any meal from anywhere you want, where would it be? Well, when she was pregnant with Rachel, she craved um, shrimp all the time, fried shrimp. So we went to Ryan's and got a couple of shrimp dinners, took them with us. She has no clue. We drive out into the boondocks. She's never been to this place before. We're hopping around, you know. We finally get out there and she sees the U-Haul truck. And she's like, what in the world? So I said, come on. And I take her hand and we go and we get in the back of the truck. And she goes, this is awesome. And we spent about four hours. We watched a beautiful sunset. We froze to death. We had hot chocolate. We snuggled. I mean, she was, I think she was seven months pregnant at the time. So we didn't get real close. But I put my arm around her. And we smooched. And we had a great time. Now, when I took the U-Haul truck, the dude I rented from, he was, he'd gone to the same church I was going to. And he was so impressed that I was doing this until he found out I got the idea from a book. He goes, oh, well, that's nothing special. I said, dude, ask my wife if she cares that I got it out of a book. I was talking to her about this yesterday. She goes, no, it was wonderful. And then she goes, you know, that was 10 years ago. I'm like, yeah. Um. <laughs> So don't don't copy that, that it's been 10 years since I've done done something really special for my wife, because, you know, you can let the kids be an excuse and all that. Watch what other people are doing and copy it. Guys, your wives won't care that you copied from someone else. Ladies, ask you again, does your man ever do anything right? Tell him. And I'll tell you something, ladies, that's really a big deal. Uh, at least it is with me. Janie and I, when we, when we got married, we decided we were not ever going to talk negatively about each other in front of other folks. Ever. Because that trash gets back. So what we do, I'm going to praise my wife. And that gets back. And she praises me and that gets back. And it makes me feel good. It makes her feel good to know that I'm not trashing her. And one time we went to a uh, marriage retreat and there's like 25 couples there. And I'll be honest with you, I had a bad attitude about going in the first place. And, and I was on staff and I had to go because it's just a busy time. And, and I just didn't want to go. So we get there this first night and we're at this hotel and we're all in the conference room. And we're sitting around and, and the, the uh, I won't even go there. Um, 
I had an attitude. So the assignment was you had to introduce your spouse. You had to stand up and say, hi, this is Janie. And then you were supposed to say something nice about your spouse. Well, dude, you know, we're like 46 out of the 50 there. And I'm just sitting there like this, listening, because I knew some of these people and, and what they were saying. I had never heard them say before something nice about their spouse. Oh, they're the love of my life. I'm going, dude, that's not what you said last week. You want to kill her, you know. Um, but we're going around. And so I just I was sitting there thinking and thinking and thinking. So it's my turn. And Janie hates speaking in front of crowds anyway. So I stand up and I said, this is my beautiful wife, Janie. And she's a great kisser. And she went. <laughs> and everybody else did just what they died laughing. She almost fell off the chair. She couldn't even stand up and introduce me. Um, but I was like, baby, I'm sorry. That's just what came to mind. I love kissing you. <laughs> and I just wanted everybody to know that you're a great kisser. She said, OK, you know, you know how my wife is. I don't even remember what she said about me, but she's never forgotten that I, I said she's a good kisser. Kissing is good in a marriage. Your kids need to see you kiss. I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. We were convinced as children that we were all adopted because my parents didn't like each other. We couldn't figure out how they came up with four children because they were never in the same room. How did that work? You know, four immaculate conceptions in our house because... I didn't think my parents liked each other. And I want my kids to know that I like their mama. I want to hug on her. I want to kiss her. Look at things. Look at marriages that you want to emulate and do those things right. I came up here Tuesday to, to make sure things were right, uh, ready for mops. And um, I was the first one in the building. And I come walking through the door and I see this huge bouquet of flowers over here. And I see uh, two presents gift wrapped. And I was like. You know, I'm nosy, so I walked over and I looked inside the flowers. I didn't take the card out and read it, but I looked on the outside and it said, Anne, I love you. I was like, way to go, Stanley. Now, I didn't see Anne's reaction when she came in, but every woman that walked in the door said, oh, my goodness, that's wonderful. Stanley, raising the bar, guys. <laughs> We need to go all out in our love for one another. And we really ought to try to outdo one another. That ought to be a competition in our church to try to outdo one another. Now, I don't want it to be cutthroat. You know, look what I did. But but our wives need to know that we think it's a big deal that they're in our lives. Look around and copy things. People that are doing stuff right. All right. Let's look at the third zone real quickly. Cancel zone. What do you need to stop doing? You cannot do everything, and God didn't intend for you to do everything. God gave you 24 hours in a day. If you had 36 hours in a day, it wouldn't matter. You would fill it up with busyness, with stuff that doesn't matter. You'd watch more TV. You'd do something that, that, that doesn't have eternal value. 24 hours a day, you've got just enough time to do God's will. And at New Life, we've always said we want the freedom to experiment. So we've tried things and we've failed miserably. And we just chalked that up. Well, we're not going to do that again. We've always said we may do something that you don't like, that you don't necessarily feel comfortable with. Get over it because it may not work. And we'll go, oh, man, you were right. And of course, we might say you were wrong. But no, we wouldn't do that. Um, but we're going to do some stuff and we're going to have the, the, the right to experiment and fail. And, if, and, and you need to have that right to experiment and fail in, in your lives as well. 
We've done Thanksgiving meal. That was a huge flop. We made like 300 meals and like 12 people showed up. So we start going to the neighborhoods and to the fire department and to we trying to get rid of Thanksgiving meals. We hadn't done that again. We've done mail outs. We've done handouts. We've done door hangers. We've done all kinds of stuff that didn't work. We've had no people come from those things. So we're like, okay, let's go and do that again. Let's try to figure out some different ways that we can do different things. Now, the Bible tells us lots of things we're not supposed to do. Like, stop sinning, stop grumbling, stop doubting and believe, stop thinking like children, stop judging on mere appearances. Now, those are negative things, but there's also some positive things that you may need to stop doing. Um, They're not necessarily bad, they're just not necessary. Like, I just got a new cell phone. My kids actually think this is cool. You know, it's that new. It's a blade, it takes pictures, and it has all these fancy ringtones, and my kids think this is cool. Um, and I've had cell phones for years. In fact, I was one of the first ones. I had one of the first bag phones, you know, suckers that are like a laptop hanging off your shoulder. And, and you know, just you could there's a brick. You could there's a weapon. No one would dare accost you because you just slap them upside the head and they go flying. I had one of those. So I've had cell phones for years. But this has a feature that I never discovered. It's incredible. I never found it on any of, of my other phones. You know what it is? It's an off button. I don't have to answer this. Did you know that? It's mine. I have control. I can say yes or I can say no. If I'm in a meeting, I'm not going to answer it because I value the people in the meeting too much. And and I discovered this last year on our mission trip, somebody in the church called every day, sometimes two and three times a day. And one time Rachel said to, to Janie, she said, does daddy have to answer the phone? She said, well, sometimes daddy does. After she said that, I started turning it off. So I thought, you know, they didn't get into the problem overnight. They're not going to get out in the 10 minutes I talk to them while I'm supposed to be spending family time. There's some things we need to stop doing. Luke 10, 40 through 42 says, Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but there is need of only one thing. And Mary has chosen the better part. I want you to circle those words. You have it on your listening guide. Circle only one thing. Jesus is saying if it comes down to washing dishes or spending time with him, there's no competition. When it comes to getting the house ready, fixing the meal, spending time with Jesus because he's like right there in front of you. That there's no real option there. He says only one thing matters. And he says Mary has chosen the better part. It's a choice. It's priorities. You're going to have to choose to get rid of some stuff to do the things that God wants you to do. I can't do it all. God didn't intend for you to do it all because it doesn't all matter the same. It's not all worth doing. So we've got to figure out what God wants us to do. And here's an incredible promise from from the Bible. Proverbs 10, 27. Reverence for God adds hours to each day. If you put God first, he'll take care of all the rest. So you need to cancel some stuff in your life. And you need to be asking that question, what do I need to cancel? And then the last thing is create. What do I need to create in my life? At New Life, we've done a lot of crazy videos, hadn't we? Uh, we learned we could even do that by going to a conference in Houston. We saw some really dumb videos. And we're like, we're that dumb. We can do that stuff. And we came back, I think it was three years ago, and started doing videos in our church. But here's the deal. When you see a video up here for every minute of video you see, there's been hours of filming and editing so that you get 60 seconds worth of video. 
And, and a lot of times people remember the videos much longer than my sermons. That's okay. When the folks who are downstairs come upstairs, a lot of times they'll say, man, I want to see the videos. Let me see. I, I don't have anybody say, I'd really like to hear your talk from last week. They say, I want to see the videos. And that's okay because what we've said we want to do here. We want to create an atmosphere where you don't know exactly what's going to happen. Years ago, I was teaching ninth grade boys, and, and I asked them to, to tell me that what was going to happen in the service, that they hadn't even seen the bulletin for the service yet. They nailed it. They told me everything that was going to happen, when it was going to happen, how many verses of each song we were going to sing. I mean, they had it nailed. And we said, we want to be consistently inconsistent so that when folks come, there's this little bit of excitement. There's a little bit of, of I don't know what's going to happen next. And then sometimes God infuses those, those moments of uh, when you're not expecting it. God comes and he meets with you. And sometimes you guys have come back and said, you said this last week. And it was some throwaway phrase that I that I put in the message. It wasn't even one of the main points. But God supernaturally took that to apply it to your life. That's what happens when we let God do some incredible things. God is a creative God. He created the, the world in six days. And he said, the Bible says that we were created in his image. And one of the ways that he wants us. Wow. I knew that was going to happen. This is the vote. I'm going to have to call him back. I was going to go too long. This is what happened at the vote over there. So now y'all really aren't listening. Um, so God wants us to create some things and to do some things. And, and he wants you to be creative, too. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to say, in my life, where do I need to be creative? In my life, I need to create some stuff. Where do I need to be creative? In my marriage, where do I need to be creative? In my church, where do I need to be creative? Some of you are saying, man, I love the stuff you do at the church, but you're not involved. Get into the game, and I promise, we'll give you room to experiment and fail. You may go down to the... To the older children to say, I am not an older children person. I've had many of you say that. That's okay. Move on to the next group. Move on to another area. We'll let you try. But when you find that area that God has gifted you in and you become passionate about it, Danielle Maldonado loves working with the three to five year olds. She tells me all the time, two or three times a year, she'll write a note to me and say, thank you for letting me serve. And I'm just like, God, thank you for somebody like Danielle who's willing to serve, who loves children And she's passionate about it. So try some things and say, where do I need to be creative? Don't do the same thing you've always been doing because it's not been working or you wouldn't be miserable. Figure out where you need to be creative and be creative. Um, This last week, Janie and I had to go to Waco. And so we decided to create a date out of it. We said, okay, we need to do a couple of church errands and, and let's have a date. So she got, she got uh, child care for the kids and we had a date because we kind of like each other. And we tell each other this all the time. We're like, after we've had a date, I'm like, God, the more th- I spend time with you, the more I like you. She says, yeah, I like you too. And we, so we just try to, try to have a date time. And so we, we, we're doing our errands and, and it's noon and we decide that we're going to figure out where we're going to eat. So we're looking, you know, Waco's, I went to school there, but in the 20, Two years, no, 21 years since I graduated. I can't believe that. Since I graduated from Baylor, Baylor's exploded. It's like a city now. It used to be an overgrown town. It was much like Palestine, <laughs> um, just bigger. Um, same things to do, same things not to do. Anyway, it's gotten big, and we're driving around looking at all this stuff. And uh, Jenny goes, there's a Luby's, and we love fried fish at Luby's. But several months ago, we went to Tyler on a date and somebody in this church watched our kids and said, where did you go eat? And we're like, Luby's. And they said, goodness, you know, you're old when you go on a date to Tyler and you go eat at Luby's. So I said to my beautiful wife, I said, 
you know they're going to make fun of us if uh, we go to Luby's. So let's branch out. There's TGI Fridays. She said, well, yeah, let's go to TGI Fridays. Hadn't been there. So we decided to try this new thing. We go there and it just wasn't any good. So next time we're going to Luby's. Um, I don't care what you say. We're going to get fried fish. Now, I want you to take out your registration cards and we'll finish up here today. Your marriage needs your creativity. Your children need your need your creativity. Uh, Your work needs creativity. Your church needs your creativity. So we've got to be asking, what do I need to confirm in my life? What do I need to copy from somebody else who's doing it right? What do I need to cancel in my life? And what do I need to create in my life? And so I just want you to fill out the card. And then on the back, I want you just to, to write a question to God. What do I need to do with my life? And just say that as a prayer to God. What do I need to do? Ask Him to show you if there's a particular zone that that needs to to be applied to your life right now. And then when you're finished with those cards, we're going to be dismissed. The band's going to play as we're dismissed. But I want you to, back at the back, there are two baskets. One basket is for your registration card. Um, That's the big basket. Put all the white cards there. And then if you're a a church member, uh, we have a basket back there called the Joy Basket. We're trying to to pattern that we are joyful givers. And we've had to work on that because the first time I ever said that should joy basket, it was like, you know, so uh, Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. And so we're trying to be cheerful givers. We don't ever expect our guests to give. We do expect our members to give um, because somebody's got to pay for the light. Somebody's got to pay for the bills. And we want to give this as a gift to you. If you're a guest, you come, you check it out, listen. And if this is where God wants you, then we will welcome you with open arms. Let's pray and be dismissed.